A loss of home, a loss of farm, our entire world. Too wrong. Yesonet akal ecology. Okay, today is uh, 19th of June 2022. We are in Jokmok. Um, my name is Carl Johan Utsi. I used to work as a re active reindeer herder in Sirigis Sami reindeer herding community. And I also do photography and film and a lot of other things. Sami people and the reindeer, we have um, a sacred uh, relationship. Yeah, we have a reciprocal relationship with each other, and um, we have been here uh, together uh, since the last ice age. So uh, it, it is because of the reindeer we we are still here, um, or we have been here, and we are still here. Uh, reindeer ha has been feeding us, clothing us, and um, and it's a it's a base for our culture and survival in the in the Arctic uh, con conditions in the Arctic world. For us, Mikko Ilmari, Jenni Aile. Ja mun kuulan Mikkuitta ja Anarjohki. Uh, so, Puras, hello. My name is Jenni Laiti. Uh, and I just introduced myself in Sami language. Uh, and I told that, uh, told my name, but also that I am. I belong um, to the family of Mihkos and belong to the place called Anarjohka. And uh, the way we present ourselves, uh, we also present where we belong. Uh, and I, I think it's. Um, I think it's one of the most uh, beautiful things in the world to belong somewhere, uh, to be part of something.
that's a long story. Also, uh, last uh, two years, like two years ago, I decided, uh, after a lot of thinking, of course, to uh, to stop, uh, not stop, but you know, to have a lot less reindeer. I've been working as a reindeer herder for 15 years, actively, and. Uh, but in the end, I in the end I, I kind of think it's I, it is it's I don't just think it's is it is too hard to uh, to work with reindeer in this uh, in this situation with uh, all this exploitation of nature and uh, in the combination of reindeer uh, in the combination of climate change the warming temperature makes it really hard. Uh, during the winter time, the snow freezes over, gets you know, turns into ice, and things like that, basically. And also, uh, the warming climate also makes the all the different exploitations, like aggressive forestry, more hard to cope with. And uh, yeah, hydropower. Like the, all the river systems here are hot, very affected by hydropower dams and power stations, and uh, also that, in combination with uh, climate change, makes those existing exploitations of, in this case, rivers, much worse because you get less ice on the rivers and very bad ice sometimes you cannot travel on, on the ice as you used to and uh, things like that yeah anyway so now we're gonna cross the Great Lulio River one of the biggest uh, rivers that uh, in Sweden that are exploited by hydropower and also creates a lot of uh, electricity and was one of the first major exploit like river exploitations of uh, in Sweden and it started in the uh, I'm not so good in, in years but it started in in the 30s they needed the electricity to, to the also to the mines in, in further north of here so they needed electricity to the mines this is just a really good example of, of a broken system the European Union ministers of energy had a crisis meeting about energy crisis in Europe in meanwhile they are letting the water just pass here because it's too much water and I mean too much electricity here that's I mean they they fuck up this place and they cannot even use it in a good way there are huge uh, industrial projects starting up here in the north like uh, two big sites where they're going to produce carbon-free, carbon-dioxide-free steel. And 
and that requires a lot of energy uh, like green energy I call this green but I we call it gray because they leave just gray shores behind them We have, we have been the caretakers of the reindeer for many thousands of years and uh, we have been following uh, the reindeer migration uh, from, from the coast to the inland and then again to the coast coastland and um, so it's uh, so we have we have had this semi nomadic lifestyle we have been using um our living together uh on these on these territories um together with uh with the reindeer but also other other arctic uh, animals and more than human beings When we gathered a collective reindeer herd of about 3,000 animals and we do that in late October, November, sometimes December, but mostly November. And uh, we drive snowmobiles far in the western mountains of northern Sweden uh, in the Vaisalokta area, which is a big part of Sirigis reindeer herding community. And um, this time of year, you are dependent on snow and, and good ice. The ice uh, should be on the small lakes and on the rivers and uh, swamps and so on. So you can drive your snowmobile safely. Uh, the snow is not that important, but of course it makes it easier to drive snowmobile on the ground, the frozen ground. And uh, we are a couple of guys between four to eight guys. And we have a little bit help with the helicopter nowadays to make things more efficient and more safe. Um, it is a very hazardous time of year because of um, the uh, darkness and uh, remote area. We are very far from big roads and cities and you're very dependent on yourself and on your friends. And it's a difficult work to gather the reindeer in the uh, difficult 
terrain. It's very rocky and of course a lot of uh, creeks, rivers uh, and so on, which makes it very difficult to, to work. You need to know what you're doing and you need to be at your physical best to, to cope with the snowmobile in the terrain where it could be very different terrain as I said before it could be rocky or it could be deep snow sometimes or it, sometimes it rains and it's stormy weather of course and you're a little bit stressed because uh, you need to gather the reindeer before December starts because in December it's even more dark and much worse weather and uh, we also uh, uh, use reindeer herding dogs of course that sits behind you on the snowmobile and and when what that you use when you need to push on the reindeer herd faster or, or so and uh, it's a good companion but all this combined makes it very hard to um, travel on the ground with the snowmobile and uh, what we have seen in the past 10 to 20 years is that the snow comes much later and so does the ice on, on the small lakes and, and uh, swamps but uh, the darkness and the weather is the same kind of so it makes it even harder because uh, uh, you cannot wait, as I said, until December because then, then it's too dark, it's too short daylight time. And you need to have a couple of hours of daylight to gather the reindeer and start migrating them uh, further east towards the corral. Right now we are in uh, Jokmok on the Arctic Circle, uh, located um, in so-called uh, Sweden. Um, uh, but um, this is uh, this is uh, an indigenous territory which belongs to the Sami people called Sami. So we are right now in Sami, and we just came came down uh, from the high high mountains uh, where we took part uh, in a reindeer slaughter and um, the place where we were uh, it's called Bolno, um, a mountain in Vaislokta area in Sirkesami reindeer herding community. Uh, right now it's autumn and it's raining, but uh, I'm really longing for the winter, for the winter time, snow and cold temp temperatures and the darkness. Um, it's not the um, it's not so dark. It's it's not like a dark in a in a like in a snowless place, but 
um, this heart of the winter there are a lot of different kinds of color of colors but you don't you cannot see otherwise and um, for me it's a shape shape shifting period This river uh, west, I say west because this is the this is the direction where the reindeer. This is a, of course valleys, river valleys, and uh, the reindeer tend they want to stay in their valley and to their mountains, so they travel along like they always did, even before we started to domesticate them. Reindeer are considered semi-domesticated, but uh, there are a lot more domesticated than moose and, and uh, other more wild animals. And also a big misconception here, I mean, all these misconceptions are, are there for a reason. Uh, so, you know, the, the winner writes the history and all that. So, um, uh, this is these mountains where we're going they're calling like Europe's lost wilderness and stuff like that but that's that's never been true because uh, as soon as the ice the inland ice melted away uh, it was settled the whole all these areas were settled by mostly Sami of course you have like Viking settling settlers and on the Swedish coastline here east you had a, you had a Swedish settlements but inland it was Sami land and it is still in my for us considered Sami land but uh, and it's always been like as I said like thousands of years ago it's always been people and you can see it on the archaeological uh, traces and marks that, that this land was never like wilderness because wilderness it means where there is lives no people at all but but it was good for the Swedish government to call it wilderness because then it means it's it's there for the taking so it's of course served a purpose to call it like uh, uninhabited area and things like that. It was uh, just part of the colonization. And as late as 1920, my family on both my mother and father's side was uh, forced to move here to this area from the further, far north of Sweden, Karuswandu area uh, they were forced to move because they closed the borders between Norway Sweden and Finland uh, so uh, when Nor Nor Norway became independent the Sami weren't allowed to travel across the borders freely as before even though they always had been 
So it became a problem for the Swedish and Norwegian governments that they were overpopulated in some areas. And um, in these areas there were less Sami population, so they thought they could just move them around like pieces of chess. And so therefore my relatives are spread across the, the mountain line of, of the Swed- on the Swedish side all the way down to the like mid-Sweden and they were forced to move by, by the governments by the Swedish government and the Norwegian but mostly the Swedes so they, therefore I speak northern Sami dialect even though we are in the Luleå Sami land and that's different we have different clothing and we also brought, brought a different way of herding reindeer so, so it was. It became, a, a, of course, a collision between different ways of reindeer herding and just living in basically. And, and a lot of Luleå Sami Sami people were, of course, forced away from their places to make room for us. And uh, yeah, you have still. I mean, that was as late as in 1920, 1925. So, uh, so uh, you can see it. You can see it and feel it still. I mean, the thing I say is that uh, it's, it's very hard to argue against this exploitation, like this hydropower expansion. But. But the thing is that you can argue against is how they treated people, not only the reindeer herders or the Sami people, all the people living ar- around this. They were treated like dirt, like they were, like like we talked before, based on race biologists' uh, theories that the Sami people were not worth as much and therefore should not be compensated equally or as little as possible <laughs> so that's the the thing is that that's the hard thing to swallow because also the Swedes are uh, still taking advantage or they still uh, I mean a lot of politicians can say but it was not, it was not us doing that wrong no, but if you still benefit from your for, for, from your predecessor's uh, misbehavior, you still own us an apology. That's just and they have not given that apology, and an apology for that also needs to be uh, needs to you need to come with uh, something to make amends. Like it's just words is not enough, and that's what they're afraid of. Because if there's opening up for that kind of dialogue or that kind of discussion, they don't know where it's gonna end. So they just keeping the lid on and hoping that we will disappear. And unfortunately, they are on the winning side right now because the climate change is doing their work for them.
the description for um, for diversity uh, in Sami is that um, you have to have all the different kind of reindeer in your herd and uh, that is uh, a beautiful herd. A beautiful herd is where you have every kind of animal in your herd. And it also refers um, the appreciation for diversity and and the respect for it that every being has a right to be but also that when you have a variation in your herd you have a better possibility to survive and I'm thinking about all the colors in the nature too because we need all those colors uh, we need all the diversity of the colors in our lives so that we can thrive uh, and we can survive and uh, and just right now um, in the mountain area where we are living uh, the colors are changing and vanishing uh, after many years um, our birch forest is dying uh, because of um, one worm uh, which has been uh, uh, the forest has been impacted uh, by a worm um, uh, and because of the warmer uh, climate and huge uh, forest areas are dying right now and uh, like autumn is really colorful time, we have all the colors, but in that forest it's only black and shades of grey. and some uncles and some other guy is, is one winter group and that's uh, comes from the Sita system originally the reindeer herding was divided into these winter groups only the Sitat the Sitat like they were extended family and, and some yeah there's a uh, group of people yeah, so this road was built for the hydropower yeah, constructions, of course. And, uh, now we reach Porius, uh, where I grew up, and uh, this is the heart of the hydropower expansion in Sweden. This was the first uh, bigger hydropower station 
that we will pass. It's a very small village. It was uh, maybe six, seven hundred in the 90s when I grew up, 80s and 90s. But uh, now it's down to 200. And it's like this. This is a very typical, uh, the northern paradox that you have all like the resources here but still it's very poor area and a lot of like villages are dying and you know where it comes it goes it was big because the hydropower company but this is was the first you see it's built as a cathedral with the cross there so I could never like live here again because uh, it felt so felt so different uh, from when I grew up. It was pretty good growing up here still, even if it was kind of a strange mixture of these people working at the hydropower company and Sami reindeer herding families. A lot of things come together here. Um, it's like a singularity for a lot of things. Uh, like, like the migration of the forced migration of us with this expansive hydropower and aggressive forestry, and like the mean temperature of two Celsius degrees already, and. Uh, a lot of things, like also this northern paradox I talked to you about, and uh, a lot of things come together, like here in this area, and, and with with my with my family, like with my families, and with me and Jenny also. In 2009, my father sat in the helicopter and he had a couple of guys on the ground and it had been fairly good conditions to gather the herd, about uh, 3,000 this year. Uh, sometimes it's even uh, more, but uh, <clears throat> this year it was about 3,000 in the western mountains and they gathered them to to the corral uh, at Kuchaure, Lake Kuchaure, where we have like a main corral where we gather this herd before we start migrating them towards the main corral in Sorava or Korpak. Um, so they have gathered this uh, herd and it's about uh, 90, 95% of the herd that you should gather and the rest we take take on later but it's a it's all the reindeer in in one place in in that group of uh, Sirigis reindeer herding community so uh, and after the calf marking we mark a few calves uh, that we didn't catch 
during the summer calf markings. We tag them with plastic tags and then we're supposed to go over the lake Kuchaure as a gathered herd. And this sometimes, the, depending on how fast and, and depending on the weather, the lake freezes and sometimes not. But uh, this year it has been frozen and uh, you need about uh, 10 centimeters of good ice to, to migrate the herd across the lake. And uh, the reindeer are, of course, very good on uh, feeling uh, how safe the ice is. So if you just get them started, they, they travel over the lake by themselves, basically, depending on uh, if the, the ice is thick enough. But, of course, uh, the reindeer herders has uh, checked the uh, ice thickness of course by driving and, and testing it with pikes and axes and the ice was good supposedly and they decided to to put the reindeer after the corral onto the lake and slowly slowly just pushing them uh, towards towards uh, the shore on the other side but the thing is also that um, uh, the reindeer, of course, know their way. It's, they have migrated many times. The old females has, have migrated that path for tens of years, That those older individuals. And as a collective herd, they have migrated these paths for hundreds of years. So they know that they are supposed to go across and they want to go across because they have also this urge to go down to the to the forest area to the east during this time of year because they are creatures of of habit and they they know when it's time to move but the difference with uh, reindeer herding is that you of course want them to migrate in a in a group and not separately in smaller herds or groups for practicality and safety. Right now, or actually for many hundreds year, years, we have been experiencing end of the world, uh, end of our world, uh, many, many times. Mm because of um, colonialism and extractivism, um, logging, damming, uh, really stupid uh, uh, race biology, assimilation, and now the global warming and climate crisis. So when when uh, one forest is locked, uh, that is the end of the world. When when one river is down, that is the end of the world for the ecosystem there. Uh, and now when the temperatures are rising, 
four times higher uh, than the average in the world. Right now we are, we are in the Arctic, so that is uh, end of one world, uh, end of the Arctic world. Um, our um, our culture and of course radio herding uh, is based on uh, to the Arctic Arctic world and uh, the cold temperature temperatures snow ice frost and when all these things they are not only changing they are vanishing This, this day in November, um, this particular year, they also had a, a French documentarist with them and uh, they have dropped him off for many, many tens of kilometers further east of the lake to, to film when they cross, cross the lake with the herd. And he was uh, filming that particular migration that day uh, and all of the sudden as you can what you can see on his footage is that uh, the whole herd just stops and try to and starts to circulate on the middle of the lake on the ice the whole herd of 3000 animals starts to slowly circulate
as the end of the world. As the melting glaciers and clear cutted and sand forests. But also everything what we do in our relationship with the land, with the reindeer, with the fish and birds and other more than more than human beings and everything in our ecosystem is impacted by uh, the ecological crisis and climate crisis the snow and ice are vanishing and uh, and the reindeer herds are decreasing. The pike is taking over the lakes and river systems. The architecture is is um, vanishing from our lakes. This all all is happening right now. It's it's really stupid to think about that um, that the, the the technology would fix it all or the green shift, uh, which means the green colonialism for us. That this everything could be fixed by by technical solutions, but those are not solutions for us. The green shift would mean that uh, there would be a new mine in every, everywhere uh, in, in my, in our traditional territories. And how, um, how we Sami people do take care of uh, the land Right now, I think most of our time is going to uh, protest uh, the new, uh, this new crane shift, uh, new industrial projects, uh, green and neo-colonialism. So I think um, every every Sami has uh, some kind of <laughs> project to 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 protest against. and something, something to protect for. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a thing that makes me angry too. <laughs> because we, we would have, um, we have lots of other, other things to do just to, just to resist the stupid projects um, we could just live our beautiful life together with the land but instead we just fight for it
On the footage that the French documentarists took, you can see that the whole herd suddenly just disappears and drops through the ice. The ice breaks under the herd at once, basically, and the whole herd just goes into the cold water and uh, panic erupts with the herd, of course, and they start to, to go back to shore and not even the reindeer herders, of course, understand what happens at first because it's a big cloud of, yeah, it's a big cloud from the from the what do you call it from from the mouths from the from the warm water. It's uh, steam just coming from this lake. You can't see the herd at all, and the reindeer herders can't see it, and the helicopter can't see it, and they don't understand what they see, of course. But then the herd went through the ice and starting to go back to shore but the ice just breaks in front of them which makes the it's harder to 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 go back and a lot of animals is uh, trampled by the other animals from behind and uh, drowns in in that water um, usually when smaller herds goes through the ice um, they uh, slowly make their way back and, and nobody is trampled but this was such an special event when the whole herd went through the ice so of course a lot of panic erupts even within those kind of animals who are used to to sometimes go through the ice in, in smaller creeks or small lakes um, so in the end, uh, 400 animals dies in that accident, and uh, that's very tragic, of course, the event itself, and for the reindeer and for the reindeer herders who lost a lot of uh, animals at once, and also very costly for the reindeer herding community because they had to take out all the animals from the lake and lift them with the helicopter through through the road to a road and take them down uh, to the to the city to uh, bury them because we were not allowed to leave the the dead reindeer up in the mountains. So it was extremely costly for the reindeer for the Sami reindeer herding community and uh, of course very sad for all 
there were in the herders who lost their their animals and uh, and so on but uh, but for but the worst part was the long-term effects for for the reindeer herders who particularly who those who experienced it because uh, it uh, is a very stressful and uh, tragic moment you feel that it's your fault you feel it's in many ways in your whole body uh, and uh, you get a lot of uh, physical effects except for the mental effects of course you get heart problems and high blood pressure and uh, so on so on so all combined you can you can divide it into different pieces like the as I said, the, the event itself, the economical cost, and so on, so on. But but if you put it all together, it's uh, to one or a few individuals who were there. They you, this kind of events shortened their life and creates creates effects for the whole uh, families around surrounds them. We compared it to a, a tragic accident when a very close, close family member dies, uh, which is very unexpected, and, and that that is what we felt, and we, and for those who weren't there, but it had to be even worse for the reindeer herders who were there on site and saw the thing and felt so powerless you get a lot of uh, problems afterwards of, of uh, other reindeer owners who uh, <clears throat> accuses them for making the wrong decisions and that's also a very heavy burden to to bury because uh, uh, a lot of the herders at site probably felt that some they made some mistakes, some misjudgment, but uh, as we see in 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 the years to come, that the, the weather conditions, extreme weather, and are very uncertain and problematic because of the climate change. You get certain events that has never happened before, and of course you cannot blame one event one certain event on on the whole climate change if you sum it up together to to one long list you can see the the tendencies and and the trends of more extreme events and more tragic problems that comes along and you can see it's by certain it's the climate change the reindeer herders on site and the community itself didn't receive any help uh, by the authorities or, or similar and the only thing they got was uh, pr problems from the authorities to, to cope with the dead reindeer and uh, nothing was even considered to nobody even considered giving them any mental aid or physical aid 
or, or trauma expertise or anything like that, or even economical help. It was just one big problem that needed to be solved by the reindeers on site also. I experience the land as a collaborator, as a partner, comrade, a mother, a, a family member, and something where I come from, something where I belong to, something to fight for. Uh, it's a it's a home. It's a home uh, what I deeply love. I think it's one of the most uh, beautiful things in the world to belong somewhere, uh, to be part of something. Um, uh, the, the solutions uh, for sustainability are totally uh, something else uh, and it's in our relationship, how we are in a relation ship with this world and uh, with with each other combination of many things oh there was a dead horse the main thing is still uh, climate change that's that's the that's the demon that is haunting us can take many different shapes and more direct ways and more indirect ways and I think that indirect ways we, we don't we don't understand all of them because it's also happening so fast this is going so super fast that we don't even understand it even we who live very close to the ground I don't say close to the nature but close to the like the actual things can't hardly grasp it because it's from year to year to year every year is something new that we haven't seen and also like of course it's very sad to see that all this traditional knowledge that has been built up like a huge Wikipedia for thousands of years is, is not anymore applicable to this new set of problems that's so scary also you you are fumbling in the dark and uh, sometimes you fumble right and you you manage to survive that winter or that occurrence that that extreme thing and then 
you get a new one, then you're dealt a new one. Like this winter we were dealt sickness. So it's just a, like, you know, these cards that you have, these tarot cards, but, but only with bad things that you're dealt. And, and uh, you're never dealt a good card. The only thing that can happen that is you're not dealt one card. Like some winter you're not you're not getting any cards at all. That's that's a good thing. The reindeer are suffering the most. I mean you're human, you can you can uh, handle your suffer with uh, like good things and bad things. You can handle it by having a good family to take care of you or you can handle it badly with uh, alcohol or pills or money or something but reindeer they don't have anything they just have this they, they just can they can handle it by dying and in the end you, you get sick of forcing this upon them you get sick of, of torturing them like making them eat food they don't they don't are not natural or forcing them to migrate far and wide or forcing them to suffer or like starve from starvation or from disease or drowning on bad ices and you know grazing on on, on areas that they're not used to and uh, you know they are just lab rats for us trying to figure the, the, this thing out and it's not in the end I cannot put them through it anymore now I mean of course uh, we, we have come a long way on, on on talking about mental unhealth mental health issues and things like that but basically I don't know one person feeling well How can you talk about something like that, that the end of the world is here? How can you describe all the feelings, what you're feeling? Um, how, can you, how can you talk uh, about your thoughts when there are no clear thoughts? Because when you're thinking about, for example, uh, the Atlantic salmon, which is not coming back to the uh, that no river no longer, when you're thinking about it and talking about uh, talking about it, someone who is familiar with the situation, uh, it's it's. Um, there is there is so much going on that you cannot even communicate it because like uh, for example the salmon is a key species um, in the Etna River but also in 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 the Arctic Sea and uh, 
when it's uh, impacted, it impacts the whole ecosystem in the rivers, in the sea. And like our minds are not constructed to understand a really huge, big pictures. And just when I'm thinking about the salmon, how is it doing? So I'm just start to like go way beyond like till I'm somewhere in the Pacific and thinking about all the things that are happening in the oceans, everything what is happening in our river systems, in the communities and uh, thinking about the future. How will be how will we survive? And uh, there is such a huge loss, but also um, uncertainty. We don't, we know so little about all this, all of it, what is happening, but, and, and we don't, we don't know what's going to happen next. And it frightens us, uh, we get anxious, depressed, um, we're sad, but I don't, I, don't, I haven't, I haven't heard if there is a word to describe the feeling when you lose your whole world. The, the degradation, what is happening to our land, it's impacting me. It's not, it's not only about my, my mourning or my griefing. But it's also uh, it's also bodily experience because you feel if if the reindeer are in stress, if the land is in stress because of the climate crisis, we feel the stress in our body when the snow is melting and when it's raining in the in the middle of winter, uh, we can feel it all. For me personally, uh, when I decided to stop working with reindeer, it's like, when is reindeer herding, reindeer herding. When, when does it stop to be reindeer herding or just being some totally different form that is not reindeer herding? When is, uh, you know, so, so that's kind of the defini definition. So, so, and, and, uh, so the government can always say, oh, but a mine, that won't, 
that won't make any difference. They will still exist or they will still thrive. They will earn a lot of money working in that mine. So then, you know, they can all come up with all the kind of different reasons and all that. Of course, it's just politics, like different ideas and the different people competing for the same thing. And who is just the better one to, to make their case and often if you're yeah if you're a minority and so in this process of uh, mourning and letting go I found an escape, an exit, um, which was given uh, given to me by my ancestors, and uh, it is precisely the thing to create, craft and remake the world. I'm a, I am a traditional craft maker and so are my parents and my families, my father's family in many generations. And for me uh, for me, being Sami means means to create and give a birth to a new life to this world, because uh, that is the core in the life. It it is the meaning in the life to to create and craft new life. It has always been it, and and that's how my people have survived here because they have re and demake the world every every single day. Uh, they have been really creative, and uh, if something didn't work, they made it in another way. So, so for me uh, to be creative and and craft new realities is that's that's something to be Sami, that's something to be indigenous. Um, and that's something what we have always had. We have had that another kind of world uh, what we have been living. And uh, that's like a when 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 we craft or remake things or redesign this world, um, it shall be done in a beautiful way, in a beautiful manner. So, so that is what being Sami for me means. I am there somewhere. Uh, thinking about uh, of creating 
uh, and other realities because we have always done that uh, and we always can do it if we just want to do it another world is possible another realities are possible if we just wish wish to wish it to be another another kind of reality what what shall we take with us to the next world what what should we pack with us uh, how should we pack these things um, what things matter in in the next world uh, how should we construct um, build uh, the other world or even if we can do it, like maybe in this other world, humans, we are not we are not having so significant role. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> maybe we are just like an um, insects in this world. Uh, it would be so good that we would not rule the world at all. But anyways. Uh, where to, how to pack, uh, where to pack, uh, how to travel, with who, uh, what is the destination, where to stop, uh, which path to take. And when you are there in this other world, how how are you um, arriving there? Thank